Hi, my name is James. Your name? Uh, Miguel. Miguel, very cool. Hi, so I'm just asking people questions. You haven't gotten crazy just being home the whole time? I mean, I was crazy before it started. Okay, so. got it, got yeah. it. <laughs> I have always been like a fan of like stoic philosophy, so like, okay. I really try and focus on what I can control in myself. Yeah. And the stuff that happens around me happens gotten you into that um i mean general philosophy courses in college sounds sure. like a sound like a college kid right there yeah um, if it makes you a more skillful person in your thoughts and yeah. feelings towards others then absolutely that's miguel my name is james reinars and this is city and a hill Today, we'll continue last episode's conversation with Miguel because we kept talking and got to a place where this question was asked. Who would you say that you know God? Um, I don't know. That, that's an interesting question. And that's something that we should all think about. So we'll pick up basically where we left off. If you haven't heard the previous episode yet, we started off talking about Stoic philosophy, which says, to simplify, that we should focus on just the things which we can control and to not be too bothered by the things outside of our control. We took that to its logical conclusion to see if sin in mankind really can be managed that way. The Bible says that our bad actions are not the real problem but are symptoms of a deeper source, just like holding basketballs underwater that just keep popping up. So how do we really become better people and, and can you know that you know God? Well. That's what we'll talk about today, and that brings us right back to where we left off with Miguel. So, let's dig into it. Obviously, in, in times like this, everyone likes to say that they've got their own right answer. Um, yeah. And if if you do, then that's great. Um, yeah. As long as it's not hurting other people and it's not hurting you, then yeah, for more sure. power to you. Yeah. Um, but I think that is, like, that's one of those tough, tough sort of questions in Christianity is, like, you know, how can you strive for that that sort of goodness when intrinsically you are um, sort of not? Yeah. Uh, so like it's almost exactly. fighting like mm-hmm. your own your own nature as mm-hmm. as an intelligent being. And um, that's what's really amazing. The, the the arc of the narrative of the Bible from the beginning to end is a build up to the whole coming of Jesus. And he kind of defines the past and the future as finally God entering the fallen scene show, well, this is what human life was supposed to look like as a person who doesn't have that evil root. And then not only show the example, but to provide a cure. Because, you know, Jesus, that's what's what, in my study of religions, I, I appreciate so much about what Jesus taught, is he provided an example of what a healthy, just loving, living, righteous life should look like and what society can be. And he never told you to try harder to do it. Right, yeah, Most religions really there. tell you well, just don't sin again and just be a really good boy. Just try much harder. You know, Jesus didn't do that because he knows there's a root in you. There's a sin in you and there's a sin in me. When he died on the cross, he provided a, a source uh, of change, a solution for the, 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 the sin that is in our lives. And that is what is so novel about Christianity compared to other views that I've, I haven't really studied Stoic philosophy, but, I, you know, whether it's Muslim or Indian type things, you know, there's... There's a, everybody else has just think really hard about it. Mm-hmm. Keep that basketball under the water. Yeah. And then as long as it doesn't pop up, you're doing a good job. And then Christianity, Jesus admits that that basketball is there. Just because it's under the water doesn't mean you're good. Mm-hmm. Just because you're holding your conduct together today doesn't mean that you're some great little kid. And he's like, you're, that's fine. Mm-hmm. When, when he died on the cross, he actually, that 
that sin nature in mankind was judged and given a way to be judged under God without having to wipe us all out. That was like the whole thing, you know, the law and Moses set up a system where sin had to be judged because that's just righteous. And the only way to do that was with the shedding of blood, with, with judgment, actual judgment. And then Jesus provided a way out where the root of sin in you and the root of sin with me could be dealt with in a real, tangible, clear way in our relationship with God where I didn't have to die. <laughs> right, yeah. You don't have to die that's for big, it. Uh, and that's blessing. what the, the change is that Jesus provides. You can live a life starting, I'm no longer judged for my sins. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on it. I still have problems, but there's a root that's been removed. Now I'm just working with symptoms mm. where the source of those symptoms was already on the cross in a spiritual level. And that's, for me, what it provides the real difference. Well, and the wind started to get even worse at that point. And we continued to talk and brought up the Apostle Paul's view of sin in Romans chapter 3. We looked at a verse, verse 23 of that chapter, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Of each of us. Just right? an act of existence. Yeah, yeah. We, we have all done something selfish. You For know, sure. we've all, you know, lied to our mom or all these kind of things, done things we don't want people to know about. And it's not till that is dealt with that our real knowing of God can begin. Have you ever thought about your own sins or where God is in your life? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I uh, grew up in a Christian household. Yeah. Went through uh, all my schooling at, at Christian um, Christian institutions. So that's, that's yeah, actually yeah, yeah, yeah. been a big a big part of my, like, formation as, like, an individual. Yeah. Um, is sort of that. But for you right now, you, that's not something you, you think God is really real or these oh. kind of things, right? Or. Um, no, I still I feel like sorry I, we're sort of straying away from the interview oh, here, fine, but this is fine. just you know yeah. the kind of like I mean it's I don't a know I, I, enjoy, I really yeah, enjoy these fun, kind of like, conversations yeah. and honestly some of this I mean I am I do have a podcast but some of this interview stuff is just ways to get around the mask and have genuine conversation oh, when sure. we're supposed to just be yeah, you know yeah. distanced and stuff like that. <laughs> Human interaction is still so. Fun. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Yeah, no, I still think I still think I identify as a Christian. Um, I'll absolutely like not grumble when my mom goes to church. Sure. Um, or yeah, like when yeah, she wants yeah, a family yeah, yeah. to go, it's not like, oh, come on. <laughs> um, I can absolutely see how, um, yeah. how it can be important. Um, but would you say that you know God? Um, I don't know. That, that's an interesting question. I would, I would be unsure yeah. how to answer that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like at one point in my life, I would have said yes. One point I would have said no. And right now, I guess I would say maybe. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, just a single person. But um, I don't know if you've got 30 seconds. Do you have time for to look at two Bible verses? These are just like define what I mean by no God. It can be like a nebulous concept in so many ways. I'm going to say yeah. 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 You got a second? Yeah, yeah. So this is just, I have a little Bible here. Where am I? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the first, these are both in John, and John is the one where it talks so much about light and darkness and just this kind of clarity. Now here I pulled out a paper Bible and put the microphone on the grass. <laughs> I was much more interested in discussing the Bible than getting something for the podcast. So the audio is pretty soft. But we continue to have a great discussion that I feel we all can learn from. So I will do my best to break down the verses that we looked at, and we'll flip back to Miguel for some of his responses. We started off looking at John chapter 1, where Jesus is called the light, and the darkness does not overcome it. 
This thought of light amid the darkness is important because light causes things to be seen, known, and made clear. It doesn't take much light to light up a dark place. If you're in a dark room and you light a match, quickly all eyes are drawn to it. Your eyes follow. The room is seen in its light and the darkness cannot overwhelm it. Similarly with Jesus, he is the light of the world and God desires all humankind to come to the same kind of clarity by that light. In the light, we know God. There's clarity. Next, we went on to John chapter 3, verse 16. It's one of my favorite Bible verses to talk about. With Miguel, we dove into the end of the sentence where it uses the phrase eternal life. And if you're wondering a bit about what that means, check out episode one with Michael, where we dig into this verse. But this conversation about eternal life builds upon that ground and goes further. The main thing to remember is that eternal life is not just eternal in time, but is eternal in quality, and it's meant to be experienced today. We can live in eternal life, God's very life, and we can live by it today. Next, we went deeper by reading John 17, verse 3. I'll read it for us. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Let's look at this verse with Miguel first. Here's yes. the second verse. This is, what, what's crazy about it is that it defines, Jesus defines what he means by eternal life. Um, this is Jesus talking. He's praying to God basically six hours before he dies. Right. So verse three, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. So how does this define eternal life? Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I mean, it definitely sort of like confirms that idea, well, supports that idea that like it can be experienced like right now. Yeah. Like it's not, like it is not, like yeah. you said, something that you can be waiting for. Um, oh, and just sort of like with everyone else too. You know, it's not just like a, a solitary thing. Yeah, that they know you. That, that's all he said. But he's like, Jesus is, you know, like that is eternal life. That right. they, you know God and you know Jesus. You got his sent. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's a diesel. Let's, let's get back to that verse. This verse says that eternal life is knowing God and Jesus. Now, there are a few things to be said about this before we dig into what knowing means and how that requires eternal life. Firstly, this knowing is knowing the only true God. So this knowing brings us to a clarity that there is God and that there's just one true God and that the God of the Bible is he. He is the focus of our worship and the reason for our being. But just as equally, it brings us to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, and Jesus as the Christ, the appointed Savior of the world. So this knowing is 100% tied to Jesus Christ. According to the Bible, and clearly from this verse, God and Jesus are a package deal. Having eternal life is just as much a matter of knowing Jesus as it is knowing God. But now to the main point. Eternal life is... Knowing God and Jesus is. 
they are one and the same. If you have eternal life, you know God. Knowing God is by eternal life. If you know you have eternal life, you know you know God. To experience eternal life is to know God. Encountering God is a matter of spiritual life. You encounter each other on a life level, and you are meeting on the same plane. See, what I mean is, in the Bible, God is obviously a higher life than we are. But what's crazy is that God intended for humankind to connect with him by receiving his life, eternal life, so that we can have a higher spiritual relationship. This is what's possible for all of us. So how do you get eternal life? Well, we had just read John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So God gave us his only Son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but would receive eternal life. So belief is the gateway to eternal life and knowing God. And it is by faith because, well, because believing is receiving. We had already talked, Miguel, about the distance that indwelling and unshakable sin creates between us and God. Jesus paid the debt to forgive us, and when we believe in him, we receive that forgiveness, and it is finally applied to our account. There's a specific moment of transaction where our sins are forgiven, and we receive a new life in our spirits. In the Bible, this is called being saved and being born again. This is how we begin real change and how we stop just managing symptoms, but deal with the source of our problems. This also brings us back to John 17.3, the question of knowing God. God is spirit, and we know him on a spiritual level. When we receive the forgiveness in Jesus, we are born again in our spirit. See, the Bible shows us that we are body, soul, and spirit. This allows us to have a spiritual connection with God, and then we can go from just knowing about God and can begin to know God. It is in our spirit that we know and connect with God. Learning about the difference between the body, the soul, and the spirit was huge for me, and I didn't begin to learn about that in the Bible until I was in college. Often it is in college when our critical thinking skills are honed, and well, the sad thing is that most of us, and, and I at first, use those skills just on the new knowledge we find in college. We often don't go back to study the crucial things our parents taught us, like, like the Bible. So we have remnants of vague understandings from Sunday school pitted against reading some of the greatest thinkers in history. So no wonder people feel like Christianity doesn't always make sense. Perhaps they've never really tried to study the Bible the way they study everything else. Back to me, when I began to see that my mind and feelings and willpower were associated with the soul, you know, my psychology or suke in the Greek language that the Bible was written in, you know, that, that helped me a lot. Because when God speaks to me or I know his presence, I realize it's not in my mind. That is reserved for my me. God connects with us in our spirit, our pneuma in Greek. Different words. The Bible uses different words for different aspects of the human makeup. 
So when I wasn't sure how to find God, I eventually began to realize that that you know, familiar sense I had when reading the Bible or singing songs to God was me connecting with him in my spirit. While other ideas or things that I thought I heard, I could easily recognize they were just in my mind and therefore not God. And all that is the door that is opened with forgiveness by being born again. Jesus said, what is born of the spirit is spirit. And when we believe into Jesus, our spirit is reborn and is able to connect with God on a spiritual level. This is how having eternal life is knowing God. Being born again brings us eternal life in our reborn spirit that can now connect and know God. And this is sort of a better tool set that Jesus is offering us that addresses the things that Stoic philosophy doesn't catch. It deals with the core issues and gives you an ally on the inside. And it deals with sin at its source and gives us God's personal guidance, wisdom, and strengthening to begin to really change today. So lastly, I've been leading to one last question, Miguel. Can you know that you know God? Well, well, when you know God, you know, <laughs> because he's in your spirit. I, that's, I know that's not a helpful answer. When you read the Bible and you realize it is speaking to you, yeah, you, you know, that uses your soul, your mind, but the speaking is in your spirit. When you're about to do something you know you shouldn't do, that's your conscience being bothered, and that is also a sense in your spirit. When you pray, you talk to God with your mind and your lips, but the communication happens spirit to spirit. There's sort of an interesting exercise we could try for you to sort of find your spirit, so to speak. And it is based on two Bible verses. I've done this with people before, but I'm not trying to do this in a superstitious way. Yeah, you'll, you'll see what I mean in a second. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So that last part, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So this is to say no one who is speaking in the Spirit of God can curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in, with, by the Holy Spirit. So let's try it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now, often when I've done this with people, they can't help but have a little smile on their face afterwards. <laughs> and they say they feel something, I don't know, fuzzy on the inside. That on the inside, that's in your spirit. That's where the in the Holy Spirit stuff takes place. Now, why does this little test work? Well, I don't know, and this is where I don't want to be superstitious. I imagine you could force someone who isn't born again to say these words. But for someone to genuinely say these words, it can be tough because it's a matter of identity. If you say Jesus is your Lord, you mean he is your king and your master, and that you're not your own boss. And that takes some realization of who Jesus really is and requires faith in what the Bible says about Jesus, which you cannot have without it changing you. 
So the Bible says that no one can say this without experiencing the change we are talking about. Here's the second test. This is Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So here's the phrase, Abba, Father. Abba is Aramaic for father, but the way a child would say it. So it's sort of like daddy in modern English. So by the Spirit... When we cry or pray, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So when we pray to God in this way, as a child to our Father, the Spirit witnesses, resonates, confirms this in our spirit. It's spirit to spirit, deep inside, that we are children of God. So let's try it. Wherever you are, try it out loud, or at least under your breath, but let the breath come out. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Now, if you're not sure you're a Christian and what we did made you feel a little awkward, like it was something more personal or intimate than you signed up for, That might be because it was touching your spirit, tugging at your spirit. And the spirit is the deepest part of your being. You are meant to have a spirit connection with God. You were born this way. You were made this way. You have the hardware, so to speak, but it is damaged by sin. Because of sin, there is distance. Your spirit is deadened and insensitive. But it can be regenerated. You need to be born again by receiving Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. When you do, your spirit gets born again and you begin to know God in your spirit. That is having eternal life, knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. So can you know God? Yes. Can you know you know God? Yes. So I'll ask again, do you know God? Have you been born again? It is a definite transaction. But if you've grown up in a Christian environment, sometimes that transaction, that realization of faith can happen subtly. So at this point, you should consider and make definite and know. How else are you going to grow if you don't know? Being born again is not the goal, but the start of an amazing journey that you were meant for. Maybe you took a confirmation class or a first communion or something in junior high. I'm not saying those things don't cause people to be born again, but I'd ask, did it for you? Do you know? Did it bring you to a deep, spiritual, inner knowing of God in your spirit? If not, then maybe you're not born again. But good news, you can be. Nothing is stopping you right now from turning to Jesus and receiving him. Simply to say thank you for what he has done for you. And if you are a Christian and you know that you know God, it is there in your human spirit that growth and change comes from. 
That is where prayer happens. That is where strength comes from. It is our spring welling up unto eternal life. Well, that's the end of our show, and I'd love to know what you think about it. Have you experienced the Spirit witnessing in your spirit? Is there, is there something I missed, something I didn't bring up that you have questions about? You can find me on Instagram, at cityandahill. And you can go to cityandahill.com for the show notes and all the Bible verses referenced. And if you liked what you heard, please share, subscribe, and leave a review. Every little bit helps. Special thanks to Julian Taylor and Jesse Chen for the music in the episode. My name is James Reinars, and this is City and a Hill. I'll talk to you next time.